I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. Um, again, you know, we raise the question, why focus on Abram up to Christmas, leading up to Christmas? This is because we see in Abram how God was keeping his promise of Christmas. And even today, we're going to see some of the parallels between the woman who gave birth to a son here and the virgin woman, the virgin girl who gave birth to a greater son. You can see and find out well, what are some of the parallels you see in this passage. But you notice that uh, God comes to earth on a mission here in Genesis 18, a twofold mission, a mission of life to the house of Abraham, because through Abraham, he's going to build his house and populate the earth with his people. But he also comes on a mission with death as he goes into Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying the wicked. So you see those themes very much in the Old Testament already, right? He builds his house for Abraham, and he's going to populate the earth with his church across all nations. But at the same time, you see him destroying the wicked. So much encouragement here for the people of God, especially in our day when there's, uh, it's, it's not always easy being a, a Christian. So what I'd like to do is read Genesis 18, 1 through 15. But our focus will be 9 through 15. And then after that, what I'd like to do is um, read Romans 4, verse 19, one verse, and then Hebrews 11, Sorry, yeah, Hebrews 11, verse 11. So first of all, Genesis 18, 1 through 15, we hear the word of God. Then the Lord appeared to, to Abram by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. We say make bread. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. That means in the next year. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Now Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abram Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. 
Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Notice that the Lord has the last word here. No one can win against God. Right? Very, very powerful. And now you look this, look at this passage in light of all that we've heard from Abraham so far. Romans 4, verse 19. We can read Romans 4, 19 and 20, actually. Those two verses. Romans 4, 19 to 20. And not being weak in faith, referring to Abraham, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice the theme of deadness. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So it talks about Abraham's faith. And then you go to Hebrews 11, verse 11. God finally conquers <laughs> conquers um, Sarah so that she can have a baby, so that she can receive the promise in faith. And that's Hebrews 11, verse 11. We'll read that together. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him. She saw him faithful who had promised. So the Lord's ways are mighty and gracious, as we're going to see in Sarah this morning. You know, we look at Luke, or so we look at Genesis chapter 18, and one of the, actually there's two questions here. Who are these three visitors? Who are these three visitors who come to Abram's tent? And another question we have is, why do they come? Why do they come to Abraham's tent and Sarah's tent? By the way, they may have two different tents here by the sounds of it. Why the three? Why the three? Or sorry, not why, but who are the three? Well, the one here is the Son of God, right? The one is the Son of God, the one who is to be born in the flesh, but he appears in human form already. Yeah, the Son of God, who will become Jesus at Christmas, he is there, he comes in person, momentarily, temporarily, to the tent of Abraham and Sarah. He comes in person. But you notice there's three, right? Verse one talks about the Lord appearing. That refers to the Son of God incarnate, or pre-incarnate, you could say, the Son of God, Jesus. Verse 33 bears evidence to that, chapter 18. But there's two other visitors who join him. Because notice what Abram says in, in verse 3 or verse 2. 
So he, Abraham, lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. So there's the one, the Son of God, who comes in human flesh temporarily. But the other two were who? Angels, who also come in the form, in human form, as we know from Genesis 19, verse 1. 19, verse 1, when he goes on in Gomorrah, it's just the two of them. The Son of God has, has gone up into heaven again by that time before they go to Sodom and Gomorrah. But in verses 3 through 8, you know, Abram welcomes them. He invites them as his guests. You know, there's so much here that the Scripture teaches in terms of hospitality, right? Hospitality and the, and the teaching of hospitality. There's so, such a good example given us here in the, in the house of Abraham. But notice, the Son of God, the Holy One, coming to sinful Abraham, he accepts the invitation and puts his feet under his table. He's not too high. He's not too lofty. He humbles himself, he condescends, and sits for a fellowship meal with Abram at his table. Okay? They may have come from heaven, but dust was on their feet. Abram offers them water so that they can wash their feet. That's the one thing. He comes to sit at the table in front of Sarah's tent. And Abram quickly says to Sarah, Sarah, you make some bread. These are three important guests. You make some bread. And what does Abram do? He's 99 years old and he runs. He must have been physically fit. He runs. He runs into the field and gets the best calf that he can find, a tender one, a soft one, kills it, has a servant prepare it, and he lays before them a, a meal. Son of God, coming in person. You know, he, he loves him. He wants to serve him. And in that connection, you know, Abraham just stands there by the side, just watching them eat and enjoys their presence. And he also makes sure they have bread and butter as well. Bread and butter. So those four things, right? So they're busy eating a meal. And I hope that you form a vivid picture in this scene. There is the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, eating at the table, enjoying fellowship with Abram. Sarah, she's not there. She's inside the tent, probably at the door of the tent, according to our text. But why have they come? Why have they come? Well, there's a problem here. Without faith, we will not receive the promises of God. God has given us his promises. They're real, they're sure, they're true. But apart from faith, we will not receive them. Sarah is not believing. She's not believing the promises of God. In this case, she's not believing in his promise that she's going to have a son. The promised son. That's the problem here. And this requires attention. You know, the Lord is so gracious. After so many times reminding by his word that she's going to have a son, she, he, the Lord now comes in person, comes in person to the tent of Abram. 
he's going to confront that unbelief because God will have his way for the sake of our salvation. He will work in such a way that the Son of God will become flesh one day. But he has chosen Sarah to be that vessel. But Sarah at this point is not believing the promise. You know, if the promise, if the fulfillment of the promise was left up to us, <laughs> there would be no fulfillment. Right? It's the Lord, the sovereign Lord at work. So what we're going to see this morning is that... Um, you know, God's promise of a son is laughed at in here. You know, something, it's, it's, it's really something to think about, you know, the heart. You know, there's doubts, no doubt, sometimes, but sometimes doubts can become or grow into unbelief. And that maybe it's very private. We don't really believe it. And uh, God's going to expose that in Sarah because he's going to have his way so that she believes and that through faith, she will see the promise. So we see first here the Lord's announcement. Second of all, Sarah's laughter. And then third, the Lord's rebuke after exposing her, exposing her sin. Notice here the Lord announces here. He makes an announcement. And this is not an old, I mean, this is not a new announcement. This goes back to the very beginning of Genesis, doesn't it? In the very beginning, after sin and death entered the world, the Lord did give a promise. And he promised he would send a savior. He promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. In other words, one would come from the woman who would eventually defeat Satan so that we could have salvation. It's an ancient promise. And now these three visitors from heaven had come to earth because of that promise. God has not reneged on it. God has not forgotten. It's a long-awaited promise. Sarah is one of the women that God has chosen to use in the plan of salvation to bring Christ into the world. Now, her seed... Sarah's seed would be used to fulfill God's word of a greater son who would destroy the works of the devil, who removes unbelief, who brings people to faith in Christ and enjoy that newness of life. We need him. Sarah, you're standing in the way. Your unbelief is standing in the way. You know, Abram, that's his new name here for previous chapter. Abram is, the, is like the new Adam. And Sarai, who becomes Sarah, is like the new Eve. A new Adam, a new Eve. Abram means what? The father of many nations. It's God who changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And God also changes Sarai's name from Sarai to Sarah, meaning, meaning the mother, or sorry, meaning princess. This is God's princess, and she will be the mother of many nations. Wow. Beautiful. There is Abraham and the princess, the princess of God. And through that princess, God has in mind to populate the earth with his church from people from many nations. But it begins from somewhere. It begins at this point with Abraham and Sarah. It was Sarah's son, 
her grandson three times 14 generations later, according to Matthew 1, who would be the Savior. Ultimately, in Christ, the nations are blessed. Think of Galatians 3. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Glorious fulfillment in Christ. But Sarah's unbelief is standing in the way. We saw how God, we saw how Abraham, first of all, jeopardized God's promise by almost having Sarah given away, and then sidetracking the promise by using Hagar. But now the worst enemy here is Sarah herself. You see how Satan works these things in order to stand in the way of God working out his purposes. Now, here we focus on the purpose of the visit. To Abram, the visitors ask in verse 9, where is Sarah? Doesn't that remind you of something else? Adam, where are you? Sarah's hiding. She's, she's not there. Although she is. The Lord makes sure she's there close to the door of the tent. That's all that, those details are in his hands. Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, well, yeah, yeah, here in the tent. And it was just the two of them. Old people. Abram was old. How old was Abraham at this time? 99 years old. And his wife, we know, was 10 years younger. So she was 89. Is she able to have children at this point? But because of God, right? But humanly speaking, way past childbearing, right? And in addition to that, we know from Genesis chapter 11, she was barren, right? So you notice that in um, verse 11, it talks about that they were past, there was past age bearing. She was already old and advanced in age. And then you think they were just exhausted from the struggles of being on the highway of faith. They've ran into the ditches a number of times and the Lord says, no, 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 no. He picked them up, washed them and put them back on the highway of faith again. They're just weary. They're worn. You can imagine Abram, you know, the lines on his face from all the struggle and all the worry and his wife kind of hiding alone. And now the Lord, the son of God in the form of flesh is at the tent. And he says to Abram, Abram, I asked you where Sarah is. She's not here physically, although she's nearby. The Lord knows that. He said, I will certainly return to you according to this time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. It's a promise, not a maybe. It will happen. For who would later, notice that he who would later send an angel to Mary in order to announce the birth of Jesus now appears before Sarah. So you see that? The, the angel appears before Mary, or to Mary at the time, but he also appears before Sarah. You see a parallel here, right? There's Christmas Day already occurring in Abram's tent, right? Although in seed form. They've been waiting a long time. God told them 25 years ago, 
that this promise of a son would be given. And how many times did God remind them? Eight times, at least eight times as you read through the, those chapters of Genesis, eight times God came to Abraham repeating the promise. Notice that faith comes by how? Hearing the word. Hearing the word. Like Abraham, we need to hear the word again and again and again. Not be absent from it, but to place ourselves under it. Because it's through the word that the Lord cultivates faith, strengthens faith, assures us of our faith. The Lord reminded them eight times. And of course, we know from Abram, he's unwavering in his faith. He had sometimes doubts, but he was unwavering in his faith. Yes, they got themselves into many, many messy situations, not trusting the Lord, taking matters into their own hands. They almost lost the promise to Pharaoh, and they almost given over the promise to Hagar. But no, no, no. The Lord brought them back on the right track. God's faithful, always faithful, isn't he? Always faithful to his promises. I will certainly return to you. Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Next year, at this time, you will have a son. And God, the Lord's talking to Abraham. Who's eavesdropping? Who's listening next door? Sarah. <laughs> she's, she's in the range of hearing. She's, she's hearing everything. She's pretending that she's not listening. <laughs> no, but she's hearing the word again. She was listening to the in the, in the tent next door, says verse 10, which was behind her. The Lord knows this, and he speaks loud enough for Sarah to hear the word of the Lord to hear the word of God, the word of promise. He came for Sarah's sake, not ultimately for Abram's sake. They're telling Abram, Abram is, the, is the, the head of the wife. He's the leader. And he has a responsibility to, to cultivate that faith that God has given to Sarah. But at this point, he's at a loss. He can't save the promise. And that's why the Lord intervenes and saying, Abram, you got to look to me. I can change your wife. And that's what he that's what the Lord does. The Lord knows. He speaks loud enough for Sarah to hear the word in person. The word of the promise. He came for Sarah's sake. You know, he already told Abram early in Genesis 17. By the way, this is what he said to Abram in Genesis 17. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Makes you wonder if Abram actually shared it with her. Or maybe he was not able to convince her. And he sort of just left things alone and says, well, I can't change her heart. I can't make her believe. He especially comes to earth. The Lord comes to earth in person. He stoops down. What does that remind you of? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You want assurance? Look at what he did. He came in the flesh. Abram saw a glimpse of that momentarily, temporarily in the son of God who became or who came in the form of flesh before him. Just as the angel of the Lord announces the good news of Jesus' birth to Joseph and Mary separately, so the Lord announces the good news, first of all, to Abram in Genesis 17, and then later to Sarah, or before Sarah, you could say, in Genesis 18. 
So Abraham, sorry, Sarah hears the promise. He hears the Son of God himself. That's what preaching is, is hearing the Son of God, right? It's hearing the Son of God, uh, his word. So Sarah heard the preaching, and she thought nobody saw her. But notice what happens. Suddenly, Sarah begins to laugh. <laughs> Not out loud, but where's she laughing? In her heart, because she don't want anyone to notice. She wants to hide it. She wants to look like a good wife, but she's laughing inside of herself. Why? She laughed because she didn't believe it. Uh, no, I don't believe it. Think of the world today, right? The world laughs at the word of God. That's what happens. And that's what Sarah's doing here. It was impossible, she thought, for her to have a son, a baby. Look at verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. What was that? Within herself. Saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? She thought no one saw her laugh. But who sees her laughing? Who sees everything that goes on in our hearts? The Lord. We can hide it from others. Sarah is hiding it from Abram. But the Lord sees everything. He knows everything. He, nothing can be, can be hidden from him. You know, she is the mother of all living. Sarah, she's the mother of all living, like Eve. But she's not believing it. Instead, she laughs at the word of God inside of herself. Really quite human, eh? And you see the sins coming out of Sarah. And you say, well, what about Abraham? Didn't he laugh? Well, yeah. You look in Genesis 17, Abraham also laughed. Because remember when God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, 16, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. She shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And what is what does Abraham do? He fell on his face and it says, and laughed. Is there a difference? Is there a difference between the laugh of Abraham and the laugh of Sarah? Some would say the laugh of Abraham here was a laugh of faith, of wonder and joy. Really? Amazing. I think that's probably saying too much here. I would say it's probably more of a laughter of doubt. Because in the next verse, Abraham goes on to say in Genesis 17, verse 18, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. May he be the one. And yet the Lord, you notice here, he hardly rebukes Abraham here as he rebukes Sarah in a very stern and strong way. Why the difference? The Lord only says to Abraham, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. You notice what the difference here is? There's a difference between doubt and unbelief, isn't there? There can be doubts. Abraham had doubts. Sarah had doubts too, but it grew to unbelief. Be careful. If there's doubts about the word of God and the promises, 
that you don't allow it to come to the point of unbelief is catastrophic for the family, for the church, and for the message of life to the world. Catastrophic. There's the recipe. You see it, Sarah. Wow. Her doubts grew to a solid, persistent unbelief. She laughed at the word of God. She laughed. Hardly thinking of the covenant and the promises anymore. She says she's only thinking about pleasure. <laughs> Should the Lord give me pleasure at this age? That's all she's thinking about. She's thinking only earthly now. She's not thinking covenant. She's not thinking promises. She's not thinking Christ. She's not thinking of the future. Because of her age. You know, and you think about it, uh, she had to come to a realization who's, who, who, who's all powerful, right? The Lord. You know, Sarah is not believing. Thank God, though, for his persistence and patience. The Lord is so patient. He does not let up. He will not give up for the sake of Sarah's salvation and for the sake of our salvation. If she don't have a son, and that's the son that she can only receive by faith, then there's no mercy for us anywhere in the world today. Wow. How does... How does he persist with Sarah in her unbelief of his word? That brings us 13 to 15. The Lord doesn't leave it there. He confronts Sarah. He confronts her unbelief, and he exposes it before them all in the tent. That's Abraham, really. You notice two things here. First, the Lord exposes and rebukes Sarah's unbelief. Again, the Lord says to Abram, the head of his wife, in the hearing of his wife, in verse 18, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh? Shall I surely, why did she laugh saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? The Lord knows what's in her heart. The Lord's heart is wounded. He made her his princess. His princess. The new Eve, the mother of all living. You hear the weeping of the Lord. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Why, Sarah? Why is she laughing? Why? Why is she saying this? He sees her laughter. He sees all her inner thoughts, all her secret dark thoughts, and he brings it all out into the open. That's what the word does. Brings it all out into the open. Oh, we can stand against it for a while. Cover it, cover it, cover it, cover it. But ultimately, it stands exposed. He openly rebukes her in her hearing. The Lord's heart is also so wounded. Why did she laugh? Abraham, why did she laugh? What's Abraham supposed to say? Abraham comes to know, too, this about his wife. She's Sarah, princess the mother of all living, the new Eve, from whom Jesus would eventually be born, blessing the world through the message of forgiveness and new life, eternal life. The wonder of God's promise can't be reasoned out. Sarah trying to reason out 
That's what Priya said a moment ago, right? She's trying to figure it out herself, saying, well, it's impossible because look, look where I am at. Look at my age. It can't be reasoned out. It must be received by faith. God gives a promise. We can't try to figure it out. We can't try to reason it out. We can't put blocks and obstacles against it. It must be received by faith. By faith. A dead womb is no obstacle to God if God has promised that she will have a son. It's no obstacle. Sarah, this gift is not dependent upon you. Thank me for that. It's not dependent upon you or your works. It's solely of me and my grace working out my will in the world. The Lord asks her in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Years later, another mother, here's another parallel, another mother, the Virgin Mary, would respond to the news of a son. How can this be? Sarah, the mother of all living, is asking the same question. How can this be? To which the Lord responds to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. God has promised to act. And he continues along his majestic way, pursuing the pathway to Christmas, the pathway of our salvation, in the greater Christ child to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. He reassures Sarah, repeating the promise again. <laughs> it's by the word, right? We need to hear the word again and again and again because the cacophony of awful voices in the world tells us differently as if all this, of all that there is is in this world. No, the Lord comes to Sarah again with his word in verse 14. With, now with a set time, he says, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Next year, Sarah, at this time, you'll have a son. But now the Lord has a big work because you have to receive the promise by faith. We have to trust the Lord that he's going to give Sarah faith to believe it because that's the only way we receive the promises is by faith. Well, you see the Lord rebuke does bring Sarah to faith. She does believe his promise, but not at first though. First she has to lie. She lies. Sarah denied it saying, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. Why did she deny it? Because she was afraid. And the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. He has the last word. Dare we stand up against the Lord? Sarah, you did laugh. Boys and girls, when you do something wrong, when you do something you're not supposed to do and it's found out, you know how easy it is to lie about it? I didn't do it, you say. But the truth is, you did do it, right? You may never tell a lie. And the Lord, and the Lord knows whenever you do lie. And you need to always, anytime you lie, what do you do? You confess that sin to the Lord. Specifically, tell the Lord your lie and ask him to forgive you. He promises forgiveness. Don't hide it. Don't. One lie gets more lies and more lies. The Lord addresses the lie of Sarah. In God's love and grace, he brings Sarah to believe by means of this rebuke. How do we know? How do we know that she receives the Lord's promise by faith? 
How do we know that Sarah says, yes, Lord. She surrenders herself to the word of God. She bows under the word of God. Yes, Lord, I believe. Do your work in my life. How do we know? Hebrews 11, verse 11, speaks of Sarah's faith. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. That was a day like Christmas in the household of Abraham, consisting of two, and now three. Genesis 21, 1 and 2. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the set time which God has spoken to him. You know, in conclusion, the Lord here wants to encourage us to trust in his promises, every one of them. He's big enough. We should never have low thoughts about him. He will, he will carry out his promises. He will do all that he said we will do, he will do, even for sinners such as us. He even promises forgiveness. Do we really believe that in our hearts? The Lord encourages us to believe. You know, the birth of Sarah's miracle son, the promised son, points to a greater day, the long-awaited promise of the birth of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. God came into the world in person, in the flesh, God with us, the only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. He says, I'm here before you. Be assured, I've come in person to give my life. You have my word. I give my life for that word, to sacrifice myself on the cross for that word. The deadness of Sarah's womb, the deadness of Abraham's body, did not stop God from bringing life into the world, the gift of life. Nothing is too hard for God to bring salvation to those who are dead in their sins, right? We are dead in our sins and trespasses, according to Ephesians 2, verse 1. God can do that same miracle, bringing us that new life where we become his child through faith in Christ. Salvation is a miracle. Salvation is not something we earn. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is of the Lord. Sarah's life speaks of that, doesn't it? Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life is the gift of God to all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God assures us of this. How? He assured us of this by rising or raising his son to life from the dead on our behalf. He's exalted him to the right hand of God. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we may participate in this life. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. These are promises. Promises. Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also says that he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed 
in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, when it's hard to trust God's promises, let's remember who God is. Your problems may overwhelm you, but nothing is too hard for God. You know, you may have unbelieving family, relatives, and friends. It's not too hard for God to change. Pray. Continue to pray. Right? God is powerful. He doesn't necessarily promise that everyone will be saved, but pray, believing that he is powerful enough to do that. He created the universe out of nothing. He raised Jesus from the dead. And if you're afraid of his judgment on sin, remember, he will and he knows how to save those who trust on him because his promise is stronger, is stronger even than death. Amen.